We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Thursday, February the 2nd, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet on today's show beamer ball to the freaking moon ladies and gents boys and girls we got him as nicholas harbour is officially a gamecock i'll give you guys my full reactions and just what it means not just for this 2023 signing class but south carolina football moving forward also we continue talking yard cocks in our position unit preview series on today's show, we're breaking down the Yardcock shortstops heading into 2023 baseball season. Guys, I'll talk key losses, key returners, most approved, best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the unit as well. Also, we are talking court cocks briefly as we look back on South Carolina's loss to Mississippi State on Tuesday night. I'll give my biggest takeaways, our player of the game, and talk what's next for Lamont Paris's squad as well. Finally, we have a great conversation with my good friend J.D. Pakel of On3 as we talk all things South Carolina football. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Thursday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to six players, and you can win it a 10 times. On any entry, Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. You can play college sports, pro sports, anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Price Picks. They've also got a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, so many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Price Picks, and you should as well. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it!
Fireball to the freaking moon! A great day to have a day indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you are all doing well. Chris Phillips here, your host of the Spurs Up show. As always, and as you can imagine, yours truly, we are fired up here on this Thursday as Nicholas Harbor has made it official. We're going to get into all that much more. I'm recording just very briefly, very shortly after Nicholas Harbor's announcement. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in for the continued love and support, not just of the podcast, not just of the merch and social media, but of course, the Daily Crow, the live show, because we were able to watch this live together yesterday and react live and what a time it was. Guys, again, thank you all so much. I hope you're having a fantastic week, and I hope this show does find you well, no matter where you are, what you are doing. Without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Nicholas Harbor woo, is a Gamecock. Nick Harbor chooses South Carolina. It comes down to the wire, and what a recruitment this was. You know, Shane Beamer speaking late yesterday in his National Signing Day press conference saying that, the recruitment of Nicholas Harbor, it felt like, took years off of his life. Of course, just to give you a reminder, Nick Harbor of Archbishop Carroll out of Washington, D.C., six foot five, 225 pounds, the number one rated athlete in the 2023 class. Of course, guys, he is a five-star sitting at a .9901 on the 24-7 sports composite the Gamecocks beat out most notably Oregon to land his services of course Maryland and Michigan were also in the mix but what a huge signing as South Carolina is able to hold off a late push from the Oregon Ducks right I felt pretty good about it I know a lot of fo folks felt pretty good that South Carolina was in prime position to land him but we started hearing the rumors, right? We started hearing things on Wednesday morning about, oh my, here comes NIL, money's being thrown around, Oregon making a late push, Phil Knight's doing his thing, what have you. The Ducks may have snagged him. We saw the crystal balls and the percentages and all that shifting to Oregon. Shane Beamer would not be denied, ladies and gentlemen. Relationships won out in the end, and again, it was crazy hearing Shane Beamer just detail the recruitment and talk about he got a voice memo or a voice message from Nick Harbor that was very concerning at 2.57 a.m. on Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning, right? So it definitely came down to the wire, but I think when you look at Nicholas Harbor, and by the way, for those asking, Shane Beamer has confirmed uh, he is going to play wide receiver, maybe some tight end but they are going to use him offensively as a weapon. That's the way they want to, to work him in. And by the way, credit to not just Shane Beamer, but Dowell Loggins as well. That entire coaching staff, you know, Beamer mentioned that Jody Wright and Sterling Lucas, they played a large part in the recruitment as well. But what a victory for Shane Beamer and South Carolina football to land Nicholas Harbor, an absolute game changer. You know, when you take a look at the recruiting rankings and how it impacts that, I was actually surprised the Gamecocks did not make a bigger jump. They slide from just 18th to 16th nationally in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings, the team rankings, if you will. Uh, Gamecocks sit 7th 
in the SEC with one five-star, 11 four-stars, and 12 three-stars. But, hey, they hit that 50% blue-chip ratio, thanks to the pickup of Nick Harbor as well. But, you know, guys, when I look at this, and obviously it's extremely exciting to land a player of Harbor's capabilities and what he provides. You know, they had Curtis Fry also speak on the National Signing Day press conference. To hear Fry, who, by the way, is an absolute legend, but to hear him talk about Nicholas Harbor and his speed and really break down, like, what makes him such a special track star and what makes him such a special athlete, if you will, it was really cool to hear, right? But when I think about what this commitment and what this signing, I should say, means for South Carolina, I I think more big picture, right? I think more big picture. Nicholas Harbor very well will probably turn out to be an all-conference, all-American type of guy. He'll have a great career at South Carolina. But again, I think of what this means in regards to changing, as Shane Beamer continues to build, changing the narrative, changing the culture, and changing the perception of South Carolina football moving forward, right? Because when you think about his tenure thus far, and we all talk about Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's, and this is one hell of a Jimmy or Joe or whatever you want to label him or classify him as. But what this does, man, you think about it, right? Year one, Shane Beamer gets here. It's a broken roster, right? Personnel's an issue. And you're able to guide that team to six wins and seven wins with a bowl game, six regular season wins. And nationally, it's thought of as, oh, you're a really nice story. Look at this infectious, positive coach. You know, they're, they're, they're a nice, cute story, whatever. Then this past season happens, right? You had Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, guys from the transfer portal. You go win eight games in the regular season. You don't win your bowl game, but you close out the season damn near better than any team in college football by beating top 10 teams back-to-back in Tennessee and Clemson. Even then, I feel like looked at it, people looked at it and said, oh, you know, they were bad most of the year. They 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 finished out hot. You know, nice story. You know, look at that, a nice eight-win team, whatever. I feel like now you land Nicholas Harbor, and, and you are just slowly but surely putting the college football world on notice that we're coming. We're here. Shane Beamer. Beamer ball to the moon. We're not just some nice story. We're not like a cute story you follow. Oh, look at the look at the harmless little underdog over there. South Carolina, they beat their rival for the first time forever. How nice is that? No, South Carolina is building. Shane Beamer is building the Gamecocks into a force to be reckoned with. Because now what happens is this, guys. You win eight games. A guy like Nicholas Harbor gives you that vote of confidence. It's that validation of South Carolina football is on the up and up. A guy like Nick Harbor is not coming to play for a program that is winning five, six games, that is slipping back into mediocrity. You know, there were a lot of reasons why Nicholas Harbor chose South Carolina. There were a lot of reasons why he was considering the schools he was considering, right? But but I, I, I just refuse to believe that one of them was not him looking at a program, hey, where can I go and we compete for championships? Where can I go and we win and we win big? And it's going to give me the opportunity, right, to to flourish, to show off my skill set and play for a winner. And again, compete for play in meaningful games and compete for rings. So when you get that type of validation from a guy like Nick Harbour, and what this does, guys, I think moving forward, we already see in 2024, 2025, the, the starts to recruiting they're off to, right? I mean, we're seeing it in the 24 class. 
the way this opens up the door for more five stars, great players want to play with great players, right? The way this opens up the door for more big-time players to look at South Carolina and say, hey, this is not the South Carolina of old, right? This is not the Gamecocks football of old. And to Shane Beamer's credit, again, relationships won out in the end because, hey, let's not dance around it, right? NIL was a big part of this. The reason Oregon came back into the fold is because the money they were throwing around. And I understand why Nick Carver was was had a, having a tough time making a decision because it's hard for a 17-year-old or what have you and his parents to, to turn down some of the figures that I'm sure they were seeing from Oregon. But at the end of the day, relationships won out. And that's been my greatest compliment or one of my greatest compliments to Shane Beamer to this point, guys. People ask me all the time, about what's the ceiling of, of Carolina football uh, under Shane Beamer's leadership. And I, and I try not to put any limiting expectations or beliefs or um, any limitations on what he can do. Because every single time Shane Beamer faces adversity or you begin to doubt the Gamecocks and doubt Shane Beamer, he proves you wrong. Case in point right here for a lot of folks that I saw on social media over the last couple of days. Right? And so it's it's just... To, to lay, but one of the one of the, that, and that's where I was going. One of the things I I can say about Beamer is that he he believes in what South Carolina can be, and he's able to preach that and to sell that, and it's a genuine belief, and it's something that is infectious to prospects like a Nicholas Harbor. And now that you got his seal of approval, if you will, well, all of a sudden it opens up the door to what you can do down the road, the way you can build this football program. An absolutely massive pickup, guys. Again, Shane Beamer indicating that Nicholas Harbor will play on the outside. He's going to be a wide receiver. I mean, you just cannot say enough good things about what this means, why this is such a big deal. Again, of course, I don't have to stress to you all why this is a big deal to get Nicholas Harbor, uh, the number one rated athlete in the 2023 class. The kid is an absolute freak. And, guys, at this point, the Gamecocks own the DMV. Sucks to suck Maryland. Sucks to suck Oregon. I mean, it, it's just, it's incredible what the Gamecocks are doing. And, uh, you know, again, you, you got to give all the credit in the world to Shane Beamer and company and and that coaching staff and, and, and their resiliency. And obviously they did a great job in building up the relationships and making him feel comfortable that South Carolina was the right choice. An incredible day. Great day to have a day and a great day to be a Gamecock indeed. Also, I do want to mention this, by the way, because this got sort of lost in the shuffle. Elijah Caldwell, the three-star wide receiver, he signs as well. So, again, Gamecocks sit right now uh, seventh in the SEC in recruiting on the 24-7 sports composite, uh, seventh in the SEC uh, for the 2023 class, and 16th nationally with 24 commitments. Twelve of those are blue chippers and 12 are three-stars. So, again, you're hitting that 50% blue chip ratio, which we talk about all the time, how important that is. But again, Beamer ball to the freaking moon. Gamecocks football is on the up and up. Be on the lookout and tell folks in college football, let the college football world know we're coming. Guys, again, we'll continue to break down the commitment, the signing, if you will, of Nicholas Harbor, how he plays into the 2023 season and beyond. That being said, let's move off of football and into baseball as we continue the position unit preview series. On today's show, we're talking Yardcocks shortstops entering the 2023 season. Guys, we sit just 15 days away from opening day. And when you look at this group, guys, again, we just talked second baseman, how there were no losses. 
Shortstop is the exact same way, by the way. Now, what's going to throw you for a loop? Because I saw a lot of people commenting this when we talked second baseman, right? And that is um, who the starter is going to be, right? Because your key returners, Michael Braswell, who started basically every single game for you at shortstop. He was a freshman phenom. But Braylon Wimmer, in case you missed it, returned this season. He has slid over from second base to shortstop. So there is now a position battle at this position, and Braylon Wimmer is expected to be your everyday shortstop. So on one hand, again, of course, you've got fantastic depth here. On the other hand, where does Michael Braswell play? Stay tuned for that because Brazzy could find a spot at short, at third, at second, really anywhere in the infield. More on that in just a second. But those are your key returners in Braylon Wimmer and Michael Braswell. Let's move into most approved and best overall. My most approved, it is indeed Michael Braswell. When you look at what he did last year, 2022 hit 284, two homers, 27 RBI. You know, I thought for a true freshman, again, obviously he electrified us early in the season. Also what he did on the mound but when you look at SEC play and the way he struggled, and guys, it made sense, right, for a youngster like Michael Braswell and uh, to, to run into the issues that he faced. I mean, that was a normal thing. But I think he's got a lot to prove this year, especially as he tries to push Braylon Wimmer. And, guys, he pushes for playing time. I mean, Mark Kingston made this point a couple of weeks ago that, you know, guys that last year were no-doubt starters, they've got pressure on them, right? They're having to fight for jobs, fight for at-bats, fight for reps, if you will. Michael Braswell, I think, is one of those guys because, again, it sounds like Braylon Wimmer is your shortstop. We're going to release a projected starting lineup, uh, projected starting nine the week of opening day. Braylon Wimmer is going to be your opening day shortstop. There is no doubt. And Mark Kingston has also made that known as well. So where does that leave the talent that is Michael Braswell? He's got a lot to prove this year. Where does he fit in on the field and in this lineup? Cannot wait to see because, again, we can all agree Michael Braswell is an electrifying player for the Gamecocks. I cannot wait to see how he factors in this season. Let's move into our best overall. It's got to be Braylon Wimmer. You look at last year, hit 312, seven home runs, 35 RBI. And guys, I will say this. I think he could make an even bigger jump this year. This is a guy that turned down a six-figure signing bonus, and he's really a five-tool player, guys. He plays defense. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got everything you could ask for, and he's a guy that's going to make a lot of money in the big leagues, I think playing for a long time. I think Braylon Wimmer actually could be a guy that projects to the next level in regards to the major league level because, again, he does have those five tools. So really excited. He's your best overall, and the plan is obviously for Wimmer to be the everyday shortstop. Let's move into season will be successful if and the overall grade as well. Guys, your season will be successful if for the Gamecock shortstops, Braylon Wimmer cutting down on the strikeouts. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, more contact. Wimmer, again, Wimmer's a guy that runs a, in the low sixes and a 60-yard dash. His speed is incredible. He's got hella range. I'm not worried about his defense. He did have nine errors last year. Uh, he's a guy that it's interesting. You know, he will make the, the impossible play seem routine, and sometimes those routine plays, uh, they, for whatever reason, they become difficult. But I think as long as Wimmer's swinging the bat can cut down the strikeouts, I mean, this is going to be one of your leaders, guys. This is one of your best players by far, and I expect Braylon Wimmer to have a really, really big season for you. So, again, as long as he can cut down on the strikeouts, put the ball in play. Guys, if he cuts the strikeouts in half and just hits the ball on the ground, you probably see his batting average go up 20 points because he's just going to beat out balls because he's just that fast. So, again, 
Season will be successful if Braylon Wimmer, he cuts down the strikeouts. I think he's going to have a very, very big year for you. And again, the range he provides at shortstop and the veteran presence as well. I think this is obviously one of your leaders in your ball club. The overall grade for the Gamecock shortstops, guys, I'm going to give him an A. I mean, again, when you think about the caliber of player that Braylon Wimmer is and you think about the depth you have with Michael Braswell behind him, that is a luxury that not many ball clubs have. I will say this. This is a very important position because you look at any elite SEC ball club, they are very few and far in between that do not have a really, really good shortstop. This is an important position. You want to be solid up the middle, right, from catcher to shortstop and second to center field. Shortstop's a big deal. I think Braylon Wimmer, one of the better in the league, and again, Michael Braswell, if he is indeed your backup, and my goodness, how many backup shortstops do you have that are as good as he is? So the overall grade... Love the depth. Love what Wimmer provides. I think Wimmer is poised for a big-time breakout year for you, even better than what he did a season ago. Give me an overall grade of A for the Yardcocks shortstop. So, again, that's going to do it for our breakdown of the shortstops. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on your expectations of this group going into the 2023 baseball season. Guys, that being said, let's move off of baseball and into basketball. <laughs> so I just want to touch on really briefly South Gunna Falls to Mississippi State on Tuesday night, 66 to 51. You know, it's really sad. We're at a point, guys, where I think I could just stop talking basketball on the podcast and nobody would even care. But because I refuse to be inconsistent, because I refuse to do that, we are going to briefly touch on it. 66 to 51 final score. You know, I really thought the Gamecocks would cover. And unfortunately, I was wrong. You know, my biggest takeaway from Tuesday night is South Carolina, for whatever reason, I mean, we just hate playing at home. I, I don't know what it is, but the Gamecocks play their worst basketball at the CLA. I have no idea why, but it's uh, it's really unfortunate. And, and those who are going to games at CLA, I mean, you, you deserve like free tickets or something at this point. Our player of the game, Josh Gray, six points, 14 rebounds, and two assists on the game. Um, you know, I think Josh Gray actually continues to play pretty good basketball, 14 boards, like I said, but, uh, you know, just not enough, not getting enough help. Gigi Jackson was solid as well with 15 points, but, um, all in all as a group effort, it's just not there. What's next for South Carolina basketball this weekend, Saturday, February the 4th, 3.30 Eastern time tip off on the SEC network against the Arkansas Razorbacks. So it's going to be tough sledding again. I would expect the Gamecocks to be a double digit underdog yet again. And we will see if South Carolina can reverse that trend at home and, and put something together, maybe pull off the upset. But again, guys, it's just tough sledding right now. Here's a crazy stat for you. The Gamecocks are averaging 54 points per game in SEC games, or I believe maybe just games at CLA. I don't even think it's SEC games. I think games at CLA, the Gamecocks are averaging 54 points per game. So for whatever reason, this team struggles to score at home and, of course, win at home as well. We will see if they reverse that trend this weekend. Guys, that's going to do it all for me. Hey, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Don't go anywhere, though. we got a great conversation. My good friend J.D. Pakel of On3, he joined me in the preseason, so it was really great catching up with him, talking South kind of football, everything that happened over the course of the season, recruiting, the transfer portal, you know, way too early, look ahead of the fall, all that good stuff. So again, guys, Thank y'all so much. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday and enjoy this conversation with JD Pakel of On Three. All right, guys, joining us in the Spurs Up show. Very excited once again. He returns. Obviously, we had him on in the preseason, the 2022 football season. Felt like 
as we start or get into 2023, we had to have him back. And it's always a great conversation when I chat with J.D. Pakel of On3 Sports. He joins us today. J.D., what's going on, my friend? Appreciate you taking the time. Brother, fired up to be on. A lot to talk about. Even the games have stopped. Obviously, people in our position do not. And there's a, a ton to, to get into. So I'm fired up to, to, uh, to jump back on with you and unpack some South Carolina football, bro. I also love the Gamecock helmet in the background that you uh, you obviously pulled out for that. It's a very nice touch. I think the the people will most certainly appreciate that. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, usually <laughs> it actually just stays up here. But yeah. just I was like, oh, man, might, might as well yeah. just, uh, you know, do the the uh, video in here to make sure we can we yeah. can have all the proper accompaniments. Yeah, sure. Surely that won't cause any division with uh, with any of your other audience at tune. <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly. whatever. We don't we don't mind. Beamer ball to the moon, right? Anyway, speaking of that. Beamer ball to the moon. J.D., what a season it was, man. Obviously, again, you and I spoke before the season started, and we all had our dreams and hopes and expectations of what the year could be, and that's what makes college football great, right? It's the it's the talking season. It's the projection. It's that everybody's O&O, right, as the season approaches. But then reality sets in, right, when you face teams like Arkansas, the Georgia Bulldogs, and you start to say, okay, well, this is where we really are. This is where we fall. Isn't it funny how just a couple of weeks, and I thought Shane Beamer said it beautifully, they remember November, and, and there may be a team that is no more that no more embodies that statement than what the Gamecocks did this past season. You know, you go into your final two weeks, you're six and four, you just got drubbed by the Florida Gators. I mean, an absolute beatdown for 60 minutes. And I uh I not so subtly went on social media and ahead of the South Carolina Tennessee game said, and I was going to be there. I knew I was. And I just said, you know what? I think Tennessee is going to do whatever they want to the Gamecocks. And then some, I think my final score prediction was like 59 to 13 Tennessee, right? All signs pointed to a volunteers blowout. Not only did that not happen, but the Gamecocks had as improbable a finish. I think as anybody could have guessed back-to-back wins over top 10 teams against Tennessee and Clem sucks to end the year, their arch rival, of course, losing the bowl game, but still an eight and five campaign. And now an off season, JD, if you will, you know, some say there's no off season, of course, shout out our good friend, Josh Pate. But sure. uh, now we sit here in January, the 2022 season, it's a much different outlook on year two of the Beamer era than, than it would have been otherwise. Just your overall thoughts on the season that was, how it went. I mean, there's so many storylines to touch on, but just all in all, Gamecocks end up eight and five, which I think, you know, is a success in year two of the Shane Beamer era. Oh, without a doubt. Everybody likes to talk about culture and what you have under the hood and all that good stuff, especially when things are going well. Like culture is a fun term to throw out when things are going well. But you just said it. Florida game was not pretty. And that was the fork in the road where you still have to play a Tennessee. You still have to play a Clemson. And both teams had a lot to play for to Clemson and Tennessee. And all we saw South Carolina do was circle the wagons, gather themselves, and then just put on a show the last two games of the regular season. And you and I talked about it before the year. The opening schedule was not kind. I mean, even Georgia State was like the gimme, quote-unquote, on their schedule. That's a really good football team. They had to play within the first three weeks as well as Arkansas and Georgia. And so there, there was no real ramp-up period of the Spencer Rattler era in Columbia. There was no, okay, kind of get your feet wet and find yourself and – take some time to get acclimated. It was, all right, bro, we got Georgia, we got Arkansas. And, oh, by the way, we got Georgia State, which is, your, like I said, your, your gimme. So for them to take their lumps early, to be 6-4, and four, to have the showing they did against Florida, and to finish so strongly, I mean, there's just certain things that you can't quantify, and culture is one of them, and it is just second to none, in my opinion, in Columbia, South Carolina. 
JD, did Spencer Rattler's performance in 2022 surprise you at all? Because he obviously yeah. turned it on the final two weeks, and the bowl game was solid. But, you know, th- those two teams both were just shelved themselves, both offensively and defensively. But uh, those final two ball games, right, he really showed you, and Juice Wells as well showed you what they were capable of and the offense was capable of. But, I mean, I tell you, man, for 10 weeks, it was it was tough. It was tough sledding. I mean, he had, J.D., just to give you some perspective, I'm sure you saw this before too, but Spencer Rattler had more touchdown passes, six, in that game against Tennessee than he had in the entire month of October. I mean, that just – that kind of puts it in perspective, like how rough the season was – your overall thoughts on just on just Rattler's uh, Rattler's performance last season? Of course, we're going to get into it in just a second. The decision to come back, but how surprised were you at just how rough of a year it was for him? I don't know if I was enormously surprised with the way it went through the first ten games because he was a guy that we knew had tons of ability, and to his credit, didn't have an enormous amount of help around him with the running back room being beat up and the offensive line being inconsistent. And so that's another thing we take into account, but. He's a guy who had so much external criticism, even coming to South Carolina. And then a lot of those naysayers, myself included, I mean, during the year were saying, yeah, this might kind of be what he is. Guy with a lot of ability, not tremendous decision maker. And then down the stretch, like you said, those last two games, he was playing road to glory out there. Like, I mean, Spencer said, I mean, from the the video game, Spencer Rattler went nuts. And one, to be able to put that on tape against two really solid teams, more than solid elite teams in Clemson and against Tennessee. I know that probably shouldn't call Clemson elite on this program, but I'm just going to throw that out there for sake of Spencer Rattler and how well he played. Uh, but on top of that, to have the mental resolve when everyone and their mother has something to say about you, everyone's writing the headline, guys like me are making YouTube videos and got an opinion on you, and you just go out there and go to work. To, to tune all that out, I think that just speaks volumes to Shane Beamer to Marcus Satterfield when he was at South Carolina and to Spencer Rattler most of all to be able to just turn it all down and go to work and have the performance that he did, which I have to imagine, I'm on the inside there, but I have to imagine those two games felt like a preview where it clicked and say, okay, let's put this together now for a whole season. What could we be at South Carolina if we do this for a whole season? And of course his boy Juice Wells running it back as well. So I'm excited for South Carolina and was enormously impressed and uh, very grateful to eat some of the words that I said about Spencer Rattler throughout 2022. I mean, cannot say enough good things about him. Yeah, J.D., I, I mentioned this a couple of times last season, but I feel like the thing that really went under the radar and, and you know, was underappreciated was how good of a teammate Spencer Rattler was. And just in the sense of, like, because that was a thing where when he came to Columbia, everybody's questioning, you know, what kind of teammate is he? What kind of guy is he? How will he fit in the culture? Is he a me guy? And not once was his attitude, his body language, his sideline antics or anything. Like, we didn't hear a peep. That was never a storyline. And it's just, you know, it's it's interesting how people don't want to – the same people that were were bashing him and 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 slamming him when he was at Oklahoma, right? They're, they're not acknowledging that, you know, he was a leader. He was a leader for that team. And I don't know. I just think it's one of those things that should be, uh, should be recognized. Now, again, you mentioned Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells. They've made the decision – they're running it back, and and it's so interesting because I I really thought if you'd have told me the Gamecocks were going to go even eight and five, um, I, I would have figured Spencer Rattler probably had a good enough year to, you know, hit the NFL draft and and be a second or third rounder, and that's all she wrote. But uh, you know, it works out for South Carolina. Well, now you got your quarterback back for year three of Shane Beamer, and Juice Wells runs it back as well, and that serves that could be one of the most dynamic connections in the league. And JD, you tell me if this is too extreme because in my mind. You know, if they did not return, I looked at South Carolina football this season, and you look at the schedule, which we'll get into in just a second, but I looked at them as probably 
a fringe bowl team, honestly. Six or seven wins. I don't think they would have been bad, but, you know, just a major, major question mark on the offensive side going into the fall. Well, now you bring these two dudes back, and they've still got holes to plug, um, both offensively and defensively. But I think you could seriously look at the Gamecocks as a nine, maybe a 10-win team. Maybe they're a team that gives – I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC East, but maybe they could give Georgia a headache. Maybe they could stick around in the race a little bit longer than uh, the dogs or the volunteers would prefer. Just your overall thoughts on the impact that Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells returning has on South Carolina football. I mean, it just gives you an anchor for 2023, right? I mean, just like you said, if they were to leave, we view South Carolina in 2023 just completely differently. And now you saw that preview against Clemson, against Tennessee, where you saw those two dudes just go to work. I mean, they're passing out T-shirts and juice boxes after because they're putting on a clinic. Like, that was the kind of thing we saw against Tennessee and against Clemson. And if that can be something where they continue that momentum in 2023, like, I don't know who's guarding Juice Wells. I I, I don't know who's going to stick with him one-on-one for four quarters. And if they do want to double him, then you're going to have other guys get open and other guys will have to step up, obviously. But, no, I mean, I think it just gives South Carolina, too, so much of an identity going forward because – Running game, like you said, might be a question mark they're going to address via the portal and via the offseason and figure that out during camp. And uh, it just gives them a calling card, I think. And we have so much now uh, of a feel for what they are from a roster perspective. But that was kind of the feel even going into the year was, okay, they got some pieces. And then you sprinkle in, and it's kind of the cop-out answer, but you sprinkle in the culture, which just doesn't show up on you know the roster, doesn't show up on the scouting report. And South Carolina has that in spades, and I think it was the difference maker for sure in at least a couple of games for them uh, getting to that eight-win mark. So I'm, I'm very excited for South Carolina in 2023 and cannot overstate the impact of having both your quarterback leader of your football team and your top dog receiver ready to run it back one more time in 2023. Now, speaking of the 2023 season, J.D., of course, it's it's way too early everything season, right, when it comes to top 25s, predictions, right? I locked in some way too early predictions at 9-3. and three. Those are subject to change, by the way, and I'll lock in over the summer. I'll do my normal song and dance when I lock in scores and prediction, all that stuff. By the way, not, not trying to take this moment to pat myself on the back, but – Eight and four, five and three in SEC play. Yours truly, we nailed it. Missed a couple of games, but we nailed the overall record in the SEC record. So two years in a row, we've done that. I'm, again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but <laughs> no, I just give myself credit. Either way, anyways, though, you look at 2023, and you mentioned the gauntlet to start the 2022 season. I would argue this fall, JD, rivals is if not tougher than that because you open up, oh, by the way, in Charlotte, North Carolina, neutral site against UNC and Drake May, and that'll be a retooled Gamecock secondary facing off against him. You then have the layup week two against Furman. Then you go to Georgia. So it gets very real in SEC play fast. You then got Mississippi State at home at Tennessee, the bye week, Florida at home at Mizzou at A&M. So that first month, month and a half or so, it's probably as grueling as any schedule you will see. When you when you think about expectations, again, we got so long of a ways to go, and you got to factor mm-hmm. in when the transfer portal opens back up and who do they get and how do these freshmen integrate in a great class they pulled in in the 2023 signing class, which we'll talk about in just a second. But when you think about expectations, what will be a success in year three of Shane Beamer and uh, just way too early thoughts on year three of the Beamer tenure? Uh, where does your mind go? Is there a win total in mind, a, a progression? They need to check this off. Also, by the way, side note, major storyline, Dowell Loggins, brand new offensive coordinator. What does yeah. the offense look like with all those pieces coming back? There's a lot of pressure, as there always is in SEC football. And as you know, J.D., 
SEC fans, they don't like going backwards, right? When it comes to wins, <laughs> when it comes to anything, ask how Arkansas fans are feeling right now. So how do the Gamecocks avoid, let's say, that year three Arkansas letdown like they had, and how do they get back to that eight or more win range? And your just overall thoughts and expectations on is that a fair one, eight wins or more in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit it on the head with trying to just sort of stay in that eight win range. Like I think eight, nine wins, if you can do that, especially with the schedule they're being dealt, still going to play Clemson, still going to play uh, North Carolina early in the season. Like there's a lot that it's just, to me, 2023 is about reinstalling and, and shoring up rather the floor for your, your program. And I don't just mean 2023. I don't just mean, you know, 2024, like beyond to be okay. Week in and week out. We know if the entire world falls apart for us here at South Carolina, we're an eight, nine win football team. And I think doing that next year, as well as what you did in 2022, I think that to me would kind of add some foundation to what Shane Beamer's already built. Cause I think the feeling around South Carolina the last two years has been really interesting. They brought in Spencer Rattler last year, Shane Beamer's kind of this new coach. We're all wondering what he's going to bring to the table. And obviously they completely overachieve in 2021 relative to like the Vegas win total and all that. So the people in Vegas lost some money, which we love to see. Uh, but now it's about, okay, what are you going to be as a program year in and year out? And so to me, a, a good number, I, I'm right there with you. I think eight, nine wins is where you would expect them to be, especially with your quarterback coming back, especially with your receiver coming back. And if you're able to be that, I'm just thinking of what that could do for recruiting for South Carolina. Because then I think from a recruit, I have a lot less, maybe anxiety is the wrong word to use. I have a lot less of a question mark about, okay, what is, what are they going to be after Spencer Rattler leaves? What are they going to be in 2025? Um I think this to me is about establishing just the 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 tempo and the floor for South Carolina for years to come. So I'm excited about it because I think it's definitely doable. I mean, they'll have their work cut out for them, but regardless, whatever they end up earning in 2023 will be just that. They will have earned it based on the schedule. There won't be any, ah, they, they played this team and that team. That was a gimme win there. No, I mean, South Carolina is going to run the gauntlet, and uh, I'm excited for it because if there's anybody to lead them through it, it's, it's Shane Beamer. J.D., I, I feel I... – I think you phrased that beautifully in regards to defining what is year three of the Shane Beamer tenure, because, you know, so many people obviously crave and, and, are, and are starving for the success that Steve Spurrier found while he was in Columbia, right? Those three straight 11 win seasons. And if you look at the history of this program, it's had flickers, right? It's had these short spurts, but it's never had sustained success where you can really build tradition, right? And so I think about year three of Beamer. Again, I think you phrase it just just poetically, my friend, in the sense of like year one was kind of just like wide open, blank slate, see what you got. Year two was about, okay, let's overachieve, like you said, in Vegas and maybe even some of our own expectations. Year three really does feel like about, okay, let's show stability. Because, you know, people say, could Shane Beamer be the greatest head coach of all time at South Carolina? And in my mind, like you just mentioned, if Shane Beamer's able to establish a floor of eight and four, like if if 20 years from now, let's say, and, and I, I hope he's here that long, right? There's nothing stopping him from doing it. If if he's here and, and if nothing else occurs other than, and of course winning an SEC championship or a national title would be great, but if he can change the culture in the sense of like where that's the floor, if he does that for a decade, J.D., in my opinion, he's the greatest coach in school history. Because it's to yeah. me, it's more valuable to win – eight or more games over the course of a decade than it is to win 11 three years in a row and then fall off the cliff, right? Like you're saying, like, like that's really what changes recruiting. That's really what changes 
your you know the 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 tradition and the history of your program because you know if you're winning eight nine a year like you're a really good program like there's yeah. just there's this mentality in college football unfortunately where it's like if you're not in right the playoff like you suck and it's like mm-hmm. that's just not the case like there's a lot of good teams out there that they're not on the level of Georgia Bama but there's only a few of those teams and so if you're able to you know you got to walk before you can run I, I just feel like if you can. You give yourself a fighting chance if you're winning eight, nine a year. Like you're only a, you're truly only a couple pieces away to where, and I, that's what I've said. I think that's a great expectation for South Carolina football is it's a program that can go eight and four, nine and three every year. And let's say every three or four years, you have the right quarterback, your schedule works out favorably, you've, you've got a veteran team, and that's when you can strike and challenge the Georgias of the world and, and the Alabamas or what have you and fight for an SEC title. And, hey, I'm not putting limiting beliefs. Maybe South Carolina can turn to the next Georgia. But, again, you got to walk before you can run. And so I just – again, I, I just want to hammer that home. I think you put it beautifully. That I think year three is really about building stability and showing stability and showing that, you know – Eight and four, right in this range. This is the new norm. Like eight and four is almost the new six and six for Carolina. And that is taking a step forward. Especially in the day and age of what college football is right now, with players can leave virtually at any time. Uh NIL is making it even more difficult for different programs to be competitive. So to, to like, like you said, if it's never been harder to have before. sustained success. It's never, never been, been harder. harder. Never been harder to hang on to your personnel. I mean, you have to re-recruit your roster every single winter in winter conditioning is the least enjoyable time of any college football season as a player. And so, no, I mean, I think you're exactly right. Sustained success in modern college football. I mean, you give Shane Beamer the crown and you say, stay as long as you like. Now the lifeblood of any successful college football program, that is recruiting of course. And Wednesday is national signing day. The Gamecocks right now, JD in the 2023 Team recruiting rankings over at on3.com sit 18th, 11 four-star commits, 12 three-star commits, 24 total commits. So floating right at that 50-50 blue chip ratio, which we know is so important. But there is a big domino, and I mean a massively <laughs> sized domino left to fall on Wednesday. Nicholas Harbor will make his decision. Just talk about your overall thoughts on the Gamecocks because it feels like they have tons of recruiting momentum. I mean, again, right now you sit with a top 20 class, and I look at their their 23 class, and I feel like, well, it's not maybe as flashy as some others. What I love about it is that Shane Beamer's showing, hey, they knew they needed to address the needs both up front offensively and defensively. He gets, hey, you can have all the bells and whistles you want, but this is a line of scrimmage league. And if you're going to compete with the likes of the Georgias, the Tennessees, the upper echelons, you got to have those big uglies up front. They've struggled to run the ball, stop the run, right? That's got to be fixed, I think, if they're going to take that step forward as a program. But your overall thoughts on the 23 recruiting class and then, of course, the upcoming decision of Nicholas Harbor, it's sounding like unofficially it's going to come down to South Carolina, Oregon, or Maryland. Again, that's unofficial, just uh, something mm-hmm. I've been seeing on social media. But – I feel like it's between the Gamecocks and Oregon, and, and I know that Oregon got his last visit. Track is a very big deal for him. But, uh, again, your overall thoughts on the 23 class and this this Nick Harbor decision that's upcoming on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, the RPM for us here at On3, too, I'm, I'm making sure I have this correct because it's always changing. Right now, Michigan's in the mix as well. So, I mean, I think from, from what I understand, everybody in the Nick Harbor sweepstakes right now feels like they've got a pretty good shot. Now, I would just say this. Shane Beamer gets 
Nick Harbor and an in-home visitor, whatever it ends up being. And I'm, I'm, I have to check check these visits again, honestly, to make sure I'm, I'm up to date on this. Um, yeah, they had, a, they had an in-home visit Shane last Beamer. week. They had an in-home visit last week with Harbor. Yeah. I mean, that in itself, Shane Beamer comes to your living room, sits down, has a home-cooked meal. Like, to me, that's a very difficult – it's a very difficult scenario to play out in my mind and imagine he doesn't end up siding with South Carolina. So that's not that's not a pick right now, but, I mean, the RPM right now is favoring – South Carolina by 2% over Michigan. So we'll see. One thing that's fascinating right now, I know we haven't listed as the athlete, it sounds like more and more in his recruitment, a guy who wants to potentially run in the Olympics one day, mm-hmm. he wants to be able to stay in that body type that would allow you to move at the way that he's been moving. He's like 6'5", 225. If he ends up playing defense, probably hard to stay at 225. So it sounds like maybe the school that's going to give him a chance to play the most offense could be appealing. Um, so I'd be very curious to hear what the conversations are like behind closed doors with the staff and Nicholas Harbor, but I mean, a special player and he's going to make somebody very, very happy. He's a five-star for, for uh, us here on three in the consensus ratings, as well as our own ratings. I mean, he is a, he's a guy now there, there's not many edge defenders slash tight ends that are wanting to run in the Olympics in the hundred meters. So, um, but no, in terms of South Carolina as a class, it's one of those schools that we just continue to see more and more momentum behind and so in the 2024 class, that's where if you have a good 2023 season, like you said, there is a real thought on the identity of South Carolina. And so if I'm a recruiter, I say, OK, I, I can go to South Carolina and know what I'm signing up for. I know what Shane Beamer's bringing to the table. I know they've had guys that have gone there and had success, whether I'm a quarterback and want to be like Spencer Rattler. Or I want to be in that offense and play like Juice Wells or whatever it ends up being. I think you just have a good feel for knowing what South Carolina is going to be and what you're signing up for if you do commit. So I think 18 is a great spot. I think obviously if they, if they get Nick Harbor in the boat, that rating probably bumps up a, a fair amount. I don't know how high. Uh, I'm not smart enough to know all the algorithm behind that and what the numbers come out to, but I would imagine they probably jump up a good bit. And uh, I think 24, 25 is where we really start to see more and more Shane Beamer's thumbprint on a national scale. And, and we start seeing them in that top 15, top 10 sort of range. So We'll see, but Nick Harbor, the domino, if that falls, that would be enormous for the program, and uh, that's obviously an understatement. Yeah, he'd certainly be the exclamation point in that 23 class. And then you mentioned, you know, 2024, J.D., which I wanted to get into, you know, now. Uh, They're four for four right now on four stars. And, again, we mentioned blue chip ratio and how important that is because no team has ever won the national championship with, I believe, what, an under 50% blue chip ratio. I mean, so, I mean, it, it, it makes sense, though, right? I mean, the team with the most amount of good players, they're the teams that win. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's yeah. and Joe's, not X's and O's. But, uh, you know, I know you just spoke on it, but the it really is wild watching from afar, of course, and, and being so connected to it also. But the recruiting momentum that they have built, you know, landing a guy like Cam Pringle, the number one rated offensive tackle in the 2024 mm-hmm. class, uh, you then look at the four-star tight end they landed from Savannah, Georgia. They just landed Wendell Gregory, the four-star linebacker from Marietta, Georgia. And that's what I love about Shane Beamer, too, is like they're putting up a fence around the state of South Carolina, but also, man, they're hammering the DMV. They're hammering Georgia. They're ha- hammering Florida. They'll go into Texas. They'll go into Oklahoma. Like, they've got feelers. They've got people everywhere. They've got connections everywhere. And it's, uh, you know, I, I tell you, you, you again, you don't want to overreact because it's easy to just – drink the Kool-Aid to a level where it's just like, dude, Beamer ball to the moon. He's the greatest of all time. But really, truly, J.D., what I'm seeing is like they have an opportunity to recruit like no one at South Carolina ever has, in my opinion. Like when, when I look at the 
the composite ratings and, and how the classes are shaping up. I'm like, man, I don't think even Steve Spurrier was recruiting like this, like even in their heyday. So um, it really does feel like when it comes to Shane Beamer and you just talk about his infectious attitude, his positivity, the culture truly. And like you said, that's a word that's so loosely thrown around, but it, but it just, it so truly applies to South Carolina. It really feels like the sky is the limit when it comes to what Beamer and company can do on the recruiting trail in Columbia. Oh, absolutely. And especially what they did on a national scale this last year at the end of the year, like, I mean, it made national noise, obviously. A lot of fans like myself and you were watching, ten, you know, they beat Tennessee, they beat Clemson, but there was also a lot of recruits that I guarantee were had maybe South Carolina in their top five or maybe somewhere in the top ten, and now they saw that win, they say, oh, who's that? Oh, okay, I, I, I want to win big – I want to play on big stages. I want to I want to go play for, for programs that are competing for high stakes in November. I mean, South Carolina, those are two pretty visible – examples that you can put in front of recruits and say, come help us do this here more. Come, come, come be a part of this. Come be a part of beating Clemson routinely. Come be a part of being other SEC powers routinely. And I think that is a very dangerous thing to now have proof of concept. Now everybody else, it's, it's no longer the, Hey, help us beat Clemson, help us get over the hump. It's you want to, you want to help us do it again. I mean, do, do you want to be a part of more field stormings and be a part of the special thing we're building here? And I mean, I've said this before, I'm fresh out of eligibility. I'm washed up now. But if I had one more year, it would be very difficult to talk me out of going and playing for Shane Beamer with the way that he carries himself, the way that he seems to really love and care about his players and just the way that he talks about his program, just cares about all the right things. And I mean, the process at, at South Carolina, in addition to the culture, seems like it's white hot. So it's uh, it's dangerous now. Proof of concept is out there. And I think it's going to do some more damage to them on the recruiting trail, especially in 2024, like you just said. J.D., last thing before I get you out of here, I'm just very curious to get your thoughts on the transfer portal and NIL because I feel like the dust has settled now. But, uh, man, throughout the month of December and early January, it truly felt like NBA free agency. Well, like, yes. like that that time of the year, you know, after the regular season ended, championship weekend, whatever, we have our bowl game set, that used to be like a dead time. We're all kind of getting geared up into basketball and transition. Dude, it was madness. I mean, it was crazy and um, you know, you're you're hearing these crazy money figures, and certainly, I mean, it, it hit South Carolina hard, right? Jaheim Bell, Marshawn Lloyd, Gilbert Edmond, Jordan Birch, all gone. I mean, the Gamecocks are replacing a lot of guys uh, where holes were left from the portal. Just your overall thoughts on it, and do you feel like it's sustainable, right? I mean, that that's we're all kind of sitting around waiting on the NCAA to do something, which you know, I, I'm not holding my breath, but. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, your just thoughts on, on kind of the madness and the chaos that the portal and NIL coupled together has has created. Yeah, it's crazy. I think you said it perfectly. I was going to say it feels a whole lot like NBA free agency. This guy signing here, this guy signing there. What, he's in the portal a couple days later. He's committed to X school that we hadn't even really thought of. Um, my, my feel is, and maybe this is a little more specific to the high school level, I feel like we're going to see – it mellow out just a little bit because I think schools are going to understand, okay, Hey, going from year two to year three, based on this player's performance, we're going to make sure we at least have our conversation before the bowl game. Hey, we understand you're probably gonna have a lot of schools calling you, whether it's, whether it's legal or not, whether it's through your head coach, your high school trainer, someone's going to be in touch with you, tell you how much you're worth. Here's what we're able to do for you. Uh, Let's, let's figure it out. I think the culture riffs or if a coach and a player don't get along or if they're not getting play in time like I think those are kind of unavoidable but sort of those out of left field whoa we didn't even know he was thinking about transferring and someone just dropped a bag on him I think we're going to see less of that as we see these staffs and these administrations and collectives 
get a better feel for keeping guys on board, if that makes sense. Like we heard Ryan Day say, I think at some point during the season, I need 13 mil to keep this Buckeye team together. <laughs> Period. I mean, drop yeah. the mic, which I think I would hope got everybody's attention, but he might have even been undershooting whatever that number was. And who knows what it ended up being to keep all those guys. But I think that's going to be the next step is okay, storm's coming. Let's let's uh let's make sure we have the hatch strapped down and we're gonna be able to to keep the guys we need to keep. So uh I think South Carolina long term with Shane Beamer, because at the end of the day, you're still going to play football for somebody. I think that paired with the the resources they're going to get in place in Columbia should keep them competitive. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, Gamecock fans, we are certainly not in position to complain about the transfer portal when you think about, of course, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells. So we sure. we we have benefited fairly well from the uh, the wild wild west that is the portal in NIL. JD Pakel of on three, JD, it's always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, looking forward to you guys' coverage on Wednesday of National Signing Day. Let everybody know where they can check out your work. By the way, I know you do like a you do a daily show on YouTube, correct? Let everybody know where they can tune in. Everything, uh, everything you guys have going on. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. So we'll be live on the On3 YouTube channel for National Signing Day. Come hang out with me, Josh Newberg. We'll have Chad Simmons, Director of Recruiting, in the booth. It'll be a whole lot of fun. Uh, myself and our show, The Hard Count, we're live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. We got content every single day, though, whether it's one-off videos, some something breaks, Alabama hires an OC, whatever's going on, you got us covered uh, over on that channel. So appreciate you having me on, Chris. Y'all do a phenomenal show. And anytime I'm able to get on here with you, brother, it's a privilege. And uh, excited to uh, to track whatever the madness is going to be ahead of us in uh, college football, signing day, beyond. I mean, college football is a gift that keeps on giving, bro. So appreciate you. Absolutely. JD, signing day and then spring games before you know it. And then, Dan, dude, kickoff will be here before we even know it. So it'll it'll be talking. It'll be talking season. <laughs> it'll be talking season. Again, for JD Pakel of On3, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.